Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, people's podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, Pedialyte podcast, presidential podcast, prognosticators podcast, Prongercast, Knubblecast, the Fletchercast, the AV cast, the TK cast, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by Anthony Sanfilippo. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Philly. And of course, this show is available everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. You have any kind of smart device in your home, you can just ask that smart device to play the newest episode of Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast. You don't even have to pick up a phone. You have to pick up a device. You just use your smart device to do it. And of course, you can find our show over on Twitter and Instagram at Snow the Goalie and Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. We took a week off, an unannounced week off. We hope everybody's okay. We hope that everybody out there was able to, you know, get through a week without uh, our loving, caring voices, but happy to be back as we continue through this a uh, little bit of the down part before things really start picking up again with the hockey season. But uh, Anthony, how, uh, how did you celebrate your week off that we uh, did not announce to the people? <clears throat> how did I celebrate it? <laughs> I didn't do anything, Russ. Um, wow. No, I seriously, I've been sitting around watching a lot of baseball. If you must really know. Is it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I did didn't go anywhere. You didn't do anything, nothing interesting in the past week? Nothing? No. Wow. Not really. Went to a free concert at uh, Rose Tree Park in, in, in uh, media. Who's, uh, who's doing the music? It was a band called Chameleon. Were they good? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're called Chameleon because they do all different kinds of music. Oh, they I like started, it. They oh, with, that's smart. Okay. Yeah, they started with like Motown. And then they did uh, some, you know, current top 40. Then they did some classic rock and um, they were good. They were fun. So well, that's good to hear. No, yeah. I, listen, I think it's a really smart name for a band. Yeah. They just kind of blend in, right? They just, mm-hmm. they adapt well. You know, I was actually thinking because I'm sure that there were a lot of people right now who are sitting back and they're thinking, man, I, I could only think of, uh, you know, this, this beauty. You don't know the song? You've never heard Chameleon before? Didn't you have a kid who played in like the marching band or anything? No? Shocking. I should make this uh, the unofficial song of the podcast. No, you should not. That's that's. I, I put the kibosh on that. Are you sure? What was, 100%. you know, I have to point out the fact that the last episode that we did, you, um, you played a, a song and there were some people who, um, had some interesting ideas of, why we might have played that song but that's that's another story for another day we're here of course because uh when it comes to flyers land not a ton has happened uh in recent times there are a couple of small stories that have popped up along the way in the past week which we'll certainly get into we did ask the the fine folks out there in twitter land facebook and instagram for any questions comments or concerns they had uh over this past week and a half that we weren't together. And we got a few questions about prospect camp, which is still a little bit of a, a way away. Um, but Anthony, I guess 
one of the the big things that happened at least as of late is uh you know cam atkinson started going viral uh in a a few different clips that the team put out and it's not big news but i just want to commend the team really quickly that um cam atkinson seems like he's really bought in he's gone all in i don't know if it's um he's got the bryce harper mentality I was just about to say it's the Bryce Harper thing. It's going all in. It might be pandering, but honestly, this is a fan base and a team that needs somebody to pander. It's a, a team that desperately needed to have somebody who could be the the face of the franchise on the viral side of things. And you're not going to get that from Claude Giroux. You're not going to get that from Sean Couturier. Got it a couple of years ago from Kevin Hayes. We've seen clips on the ice of Travis Konechny and Scott Lawton, but really Cam Atkinson seems like he's acquitted himself pretty well here. And, uh, you know, kudos to the team for getting some clips out there and, and for you know, doing the right thing. And by the way, Anthony, I think it's only fair that we maybe jump in really quick on his cheesesteak rankings because, of course, we write for Philly's most irreverent sports blog. And who did he pick as number one? Well, before we get there, there were four options that he was presented. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you remember off the top of your head? We had Tony Luke's was one yep. of them. Yep. Jim's was another. Mm-hmm. He had Geno's. Uh-huh. And he also had, I believe, was it Pat's? Pat's, yeah. So, Anthony, let me go with your power rankings really quickly if you had to rank those four. Jim's is number one. Okay. Out of those four, Jim's is easily number one. And it's not okay. it's not even close. Okay. Tony Luke's would go second. Okay. Then Pat's, then Geno's. Uh, but I think both Pat's and Geno's are terrible, to be honest with you. I'm not a fan okay. of either. Uh-huh. I think that the one that's missing from that list is Phillips in South Philly. I've never gone to Phillips. I actually thought that they would maybe include Steve's because Steve's is at Steve's, least relatively close to the, the complex. Prince, I also Steve's think Prince Steve's is good. Steve's is all right. Um, they do a good cheesesteak. I mean, I, I, considered. I think Phillips is, is really good. Um, Where only, is Phillips? It's in South Philly on Pashunk Avenue. I'm forget what the cross street is. Um, it's on the other side of broad. So uh, if you would go like, if you're, if you're going down broad street towards city hall, you would make a left on broad instead okay. of a right. Like right goes into the heart of South Philly. Left would go out towards uh, like you're leaving South Philly towards uh, Southwest and, and West Philly. Um, it's, it's on Pashunk going out towards 76 uh, towards West Philly. But it's, it's as soon as you turn left there, it's like a couple blocks down on the left-hand side on Pashunk Avenue. Phillips Stakes. The other one that's really good is John's Roast Pork. Um, sure. They're cheap. Their cheesesteak is really good. Yeah. The thing of it is, is that you don't think of John's roast pork as a cheesesteak place because it's the best roast pork I've ever had. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't go there looking for a cheesesteak, but I've had their cheesesteaks and they're really, really, really good. Um, yep. Also should probably be, be on that list ahead of Pat's and Gino's. So if I was ranking, I would probably go Jim's, but only Jim's South Philly. Um, I would say a Jim's West Philly, the original, but it's not there right now. It cl- it's temporarily closed, although it might be mm-hmm. permanently closed after the pandemic. But Jim's in South, Jim's in West Philly was the, where it was originally located. Um, and then the, the one on South Street is great. Uh, their, their other locations are just okay. Um, I would put Phillips second. I would put, um, uh, I would put uh, John's Roast Pork third. Their cheesesteak is pretty good. Um, and you mentioned Steve's. I I would probably put Steve's ahead of ahead of Tony Luke's too. In all honesty, wow. it's close. Steve's and Tony Luke's are close. Um, they they might finish a tie for fourth. Um, okay. Both good steaks. Uh, but again, I like other stuff at Tony Luke's better than their cheese steak. 
Like I don't Alessandro's doesn't get a uh, doesn't get recognition on your top uh, twelve no. list. No, I wouldn't put Pat's and Geno's in the top twelve. So I mean, we sure. we only put them in there because they were mentioned as part of this mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I think Cam Atkinson agreed with me at least on the four that he had a, that he was able to try and pick Jim's out of those four, and that was a good call by by Cam. Do you remember a few years ago? Um, Bon Appetit did a thing where they did the top 16 cheesesteaks. I don't remember that. I remember when Macnell did his. Okay. So right? Bon Appetit did it. And, and you're actually going to be happy because they did include Phillips in the, uh, in the rankings. They went Tony Luke's number one, John's roast pork. Number two, Woodrow's number three. And the thing about Woodrow's, if I remember correctly, was Woodrow's had like a truffle. Uh, like a truffle butter or a truffle cheese that they went with. It was like supposed to be an upscale cheesesteak. And that made number three. And then Jim's was like the honorable mention, but they also reviewed Phillips, Ralph and Ricky's, Pat's, Gino's, Shanks, uh, Sonny's, WizKid, Gooey Louie's, Chubby's, D'Alessandro's and Lorenzo's. So, um, so here was, here was Mac when Mac now did it. Um, and he did cheesesteaks in, uh, 2008 that's how long this goes back so there's there's probably a couple places that have opened up since Uh, but at the time john's roast pork was the winner i gotta remember glenn picked the finalists and then there were celebrity judges that decided on on the best cheesesteak at a a live event but john's roast pork was the winner uh steve's prince of steaks was number two chink steaks in the northeast which i've had once in my life and thought it was okay was three talk of the town doesn't exist anymore (laughs) They were number four. Gray Lodge Pub, which I've never had, was number five. Slack's Hoagie Shack was six. Now, this says Slack's in the Northeast. I, I don't think Slack's steaks are good at all anywhere I've had them. Wow. Uh, I, I've not liked, I like Slack's Hoagies, but their cheesesteaks not at all. You didn't know that their owner listens to the show, obviously. We'd like to apologize I, for uh, Anthony's reviews of your cheesesteaks. I, I love their Hoagies. I don't like their, I don't like their steaks. Um, Sonny's Famous Steaks was number seven. Tony Luke's was number eight. Um, White House Sub Shop in Atlantic City, which I've never had, was number nine. And Delisandro's was number 10. Atlantic uh, City shouldn't be included in that list. Well, it's, 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 within, it's within the listening audience, right? I mean, no. it's anywhere, anywhere that the radio station reaches. That's, that's too far. Um, okay, let me, let me throw this really quick. I actually thought Cam Atkinson did a, a bang-up job on this list with the five that he was presented. I definitely would go with Jim's. Um, I would go, you know, Tony Luke's, I can see, I think Tony Luke's whiz their, their cheese sauce that they use, which I wouldn't really classify as just a, a traditional whiz is the best cheese sauce. If you're going to go that route of any place that I've ever eaten. And I think that the rest of his, his rankings were fine. Pat's and Gino's don't do it for me. It's no. like, you know, Pat's and Gino's are Pat's and Gino's are like, um, when you were in school, I know this is a long time ago, so I need you to try to work with me on this. But um, Pat's and Geno's are kind of like the hot lunch line and the cold lunch line. You know, like depending on what you're feeling that day, you can go one way or the other. But chances are that like four out of five days or like, I don't know, let's just keep the math going. Eight out of 10 days, you're going to be disappointed either way. You know, it's like it's not really a death by a thousand cuts, but like it's not that great. It's OK. You need a place to eat. They have food available. They're in close proximity, but it's not something that's going to blow you away, right? That that to me is what it is. 
if we did right. no if we did a no pucks given yeah on those guys i'd have a hard time getting past one puck wow that's how that's how little i like them by the way depending on how the rona affects the upcoming season and and concessions and everything i i do think that people have been clamoring for no pucks given to return so We'll bring those back to the social channels. I, I, so. I love No Pucks Given. I think it's No Pucks Given gigs. was a great show. We yeah. might have to work with the Wells Fargo Center on this one um, because we are fair and balanced in our food reviews. All right, let's go to something that's hockey related because we're a few minutes into the show, meaning like eight probably, um, without getting to what probably was the biggest story to happen since we recorded. And no, it wasn't Cam Atkinson. It wasn't uh, Gritty wearing the Cam Atkinson wearing the Gritty shirt shirt. Uh, into the locker room. Nay, nay. It was, um, it was Carter Hart. It was Carter Hart signing a three-year $11.937 million deal. The thing, of course, that people loved so much about it was that his AAV came at it at 3.979, little tip of the cap, tip of the mask to his number 79. Um, it's an interesting contract. I think it's within the realm of where most people around the organization thought it was going to land in that three and a half to 4 million. Maybe you would have hoped it was going to be closer to 3.75, but it's really not that crazy. Um, at the time, I believe it was the second highest AAV given to a player at that point in his career. Obviously the age is something that you have to keep in mind. It was uh, Matt Murray and Vasilevsky, I think were the other contracts uh, that were higher. Yeah. So that made Hart the third highest AAV. Um, so it's interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, yeah. And if you look at those I misspoke, other, by the way, I'm sorry. He, it was the highest. It yeah. was the highest because Murray was 3.75. Vasilevsky was 3.5. Hart comes in at 3.979. So the highest AAV given to a goaltender um, for a, a second contract. Yeah. And it, it, it goes to show what this organization believes about Carter Hart moving forward. And they feel that last year was an anomaly. Um, they feel that Carter will bounce back and be better. And of course, putting a better defensive group in front of him this year will automatically help that. Um, but they also think that his game will mature and be better as well. Um, and, it, you know, they, they know what he needs to correct and needs to work on. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll know right away. I mean, we, we know what the weaknesses were last year, right? I mean, we, we talked about them and watched them and we watched – I remember a game in January. Well, it might have been early February because I was getting back out of the hospital. And whenever I first saw you again and was watching hockey again, I think it was in February. Um, and the Bru they were they were playing the Bruins, I want to say. And the the Bruins just um, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> the Bruins just <laughs> just were pick picking the glove. Uh, glove side, top shelf on him, and then short side on him the entire game. I think they scored all five goals in the game there, um, and he was really frustrated by it. And I remember sitting there saying, this isn't good. Like, this is – if the Bruins are, are targeting that, that's, that's something that they see. And if they now are putting the blueprint out for other teams, then other teams are going to take advantage of this too. And it, and it snowballed from there. Teams were – shooting in the same spots on Carter Hart and he could not make those saves. And that was really frustrating for him. It was frustrating to watch. Um, but then again, they were getting those shots from 
like wide open looks because the defense was terrible in front of him. Mm-hmm. So you, you sit there and say, okay, well, maybe they're not going to have as many of those looks. And maybe Carter will see it better from a little bit further away. And Carter's going to work on it and be better at, you know, the glove side and whatever the case might be. I Look, the team thinks he's going to be a top-end goalie. I think he's going to be a top-end goalie. You think he's going to be a top-end goalie. I think this is a – well, I Continue. think this is a – but I'm not saying he's going to be a Hall of Fame goalie. He's going to be a top end goalie, right? What's top end look like? Well, right, if there's, like a, there's is there 30, a number that you can use. To, there's 32 to teams qualify? in the league. There's 32 teams in the league. Is he one of the top eight? Can he be one of the top eight in the league? That's the top Maybe. quarter of the league, right? Top end, as far as I'm concerned. So I think he can be a top eight goalie in the NHL. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not ridiculous to say that, you know. Um, and, you know, they, they are paying him accordingly. Now, the best part about it is, too, Russ, is it's, you know, it is only for three years. So if, in fact, Carter does not develop into that goalie, it's not that much of a long-term investment. And the Flyers could decide, you know, within three years that, okay, they misread it and he's not the guy and they got to <clears throat> move on to another goaltender. And they were able to kind of keep it within, you know, within arm's length there to keep it within a distance where if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out and it's not going to kill them. Um, like other long-term goalie contracts have in the past. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's a good deal. I think it's a good deal for both sides. Carter's got to be happy to get the money that he got. Um, the flyers have to be happy that they were able to get him, you know, at a, at a price that is um, that is, even though it's the highest ever for a goalie for, for a second contract, is still a palatable number and at a, at a term that's only three years, which is good. So I think it's a win-win for, for the team and for the player. Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess there's a bunch to unpack there. The, the hesitation that I have and, and look, this isn't going to be a crap on Carter Hart moment here. So anybody who's like ready to uh, pull off the road and punch me in the face, I mean, you can certainly feel free to do so, but I, I look at a couple of things that I find concerning that I don't think, enough people really take into consideration. Now there are a few things obviously that are going to play out a little bit differently here. Um, you know, right after Hart signed his deal, Igor Shosturkin up in, um, in New York signed a deal that was also lucrative and it's unfair in a lot of ways to try to compare these two, but they are going to be compared to each other just because of where they are in their careers and because they're going to play in the same division. And it's going to be a, a you know, a long kind of bitter rivalry, but one thing that I think is 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 unfair, obviously, is that Shosturkin's 25. Carter Hart is about to turn 23. So they're not necessarily the same. But the thing that holds me back from saying and going all in on Carter Hart being a top eight goalie, and that doesn't mean this year. I, I'm saying that, like, I'm not sold on it yet, even two years down the line. And it's because I'm more of a like I need I need to see a little bit more this year. And I think it's fair when you look back at not only last year, last year was a disaster. And there are a whole bunch of different things. We've talked about it on the show a million times about defensive breakdowns, about the lack of, you know, forwards in front playing a 200 foot game and and being defensively responsible. Hence, you've seen a a major overhaul in this roster and on, on both ends. But I go back to what Carter Hart was the year prior before COVID shut everything down. And when this team was on this ridiculous run that everybody was so enamored with. And I guess the thing that maybe hurts a little bit when you look back at it 
was in that 1920 season. The the goals against and the save percentage were ridiculously Jekyll and Hyde between home and road. He had the most wins of any most home wins of any goalie in the NHL that season with 20. I believe he led the league with a 943 save percentage and a 1.63 goals against at home, which was excellent. He was fantastic that year, but the road, he was bad and there wasn't a way to cover this up. He was, he was legitimately bad on the road and it kept getting worse as the season progressed. He was four ten and one on the road, three, eight, one goals against eight fifty seven save percentage. It got to a point where for those who remember when we were on this show talking as that season progressed, I threw out the, you know, the relatively crazy idea because of the way that the schedule was getting a little bit wonky that like they might have to look to going to Brian Elliott on the road and Carter Hart at home because the disparity was so extreme. Now, I guess if there's one good thing that you could take a look at from that season, and I think it was because of the way that AV really did stack him to to be in a lot of home games as opposed to, to road, his best month of the season was March that year. He had a 943 save percentage a 1.77 goals against. In fact, the final few months of the season, the, you know, between February and March, his goals against dropped a month over month and his save percentage uh, improved month over month. So that was good. Like the, those are maybe the positive numbers to take out of it. But when I look back at what he was a year ago, um, you know, at 876 save percentage at home and 877 on the road, you look at 3.84 goals against at home and 3.53 on the road. Those aren't great numbers. And there are a bunch of different reasons that things might have gone well, might have gone poorly. You and I have heard a couple reasons of off-ice things that might have maybe taken Carter Hart's mind away from the ice. And that's a, a whole other thing for another day. But until we see what he looks like this year, I'm going to I'm going to reserve judgment. I want to see like a month or two in because as I've said before, Chuck Fletcher and this front office have done everything they can personnel wise to improve the situation in front of him. So to me, the onus really falls on Carter Hart falls a little bit on the coaching, but the personnel in front of him is exponentially improved over a season ago. I would say at least in terms of the, the six defensemen that you expect to be in the lineup game in and game out. And I think you have a, a team, a forward core that is more responsible than the one uh, a year ago at, at getting back defensively so to me we should see Carter Hart rebound to something closer to the 1819 or the find the average between the 19 and 20 numbers what do you think is that fair I just think that you you're you know you're, you want to sit there and look at numbers from seasons past and this is going to be a completely different team um, also numbers from season seasons past were an inexperienced goaltender where he's now a more experienced goaltender. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't put as much stock in home and away, I think, as you do. Um, I know that the numbers were, you know, dispar there was a disparity between those numbers. I get it. But I think you'll find almost anyone is better at home than on the road. Um, and, yes, his numbers were a little bit more stark in that season. Um, but I, at the same time, we were talking about, a, what, a 20-year-old goalie at the time um, and, and learning how to play – uh, when the other team has the matchup advantages, which is what Carter was trying to learn how to do. And I think that, I think that there's a lot that he's probably learned in that re regard uh, moving forward that, you know, while he'll still probably be a better goalie at home than on the road, 
I don't think you're going to see as big of a difference in those two in those two numbers. I understand why you you want to wait and see. I mean, as bad as last season was, it's kind of hard to just throw blind faith into a player or into a team for that matter and say, okay, yeah, everything's going to be fine. No worries. Um, I get it. I certainly get it. Um, but I, I, I look at it and I want to compare. I don't want to necessarily compare last year to this year coming up. I want to compare two seasons ago to this year coming up. And, and the reason I want to do that is because Elaine Vino kind of sort of liked that team that he had two years ago. I mean, he told us that how many times that he liked that group. He really yeah. liked that they were, you know, how accountable they were and responsible they were. And that's why they were winning. And then, of course, the pandemic hits and, you know, everything goes to hell. But um, if you compare that to this, the Flyers remade this team in, within an image of the style of play that Elaine Vino wants to have happen. And so if you're going to compare the two, I think this team compare, is going to compare more favorably to the team that was in, on the ice pre-pandemic 1920 than it was in either the playoffs in the bubble or uh, at any point last season. And if you're going to do that and say that the team's going to play that way, that's only going to benefit Carter Hart. And he's only going to be a better goalie all around for that. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, there might be a stretch where he's, you know, a little off and then Martin Jones is going to have to come in and, you know, and be that guy. And you know that they're not going to, they're going to kind of split this a little bit. I mean, Hart's going to get the majority of the games, but it's probably going to be like 60, 40. It's not, it's not going to be a overwhelming thing. And it's because they want to keep him. This is the thing in, in pro sports now, keeping their players fresh for the playoffs. The NBA, you know, does load management and pitchers only throw five innings in baseball, right? I mean, it, it's the same concept. You know, we don't want goalies to be worn out by the time we get to the end of April, beginning of May. It's a long season. Okay, fine. So rather than have those workhorse goaltenders like you've had in the past, you're going to see Martin Jones play 40% of the games. And that's even if Carter Hart's playing at, at a level that is better than he's played at any point in his career, it's probably going to be close to that split. So, um, you know, I, I think there's ways to manage that and, and to kind of keep him feeling confident and feeling good about his game and good about himself um, without it, you know, taking a big uh, nosedive off the cliff like it did um, in February and March of last year. Yeah, so to be clear, I think you and I are both in agreement that this team should look more like the one from two seasons ago. It should look a lot more like the 1920 team that ended on a hot streak before COVID rocked everything more so than the, what the, well, it really wasn't 20. It was really just the spring 21 team. Yeah. So I, I we're in agreement. The one problem that I think we run into is something that you just brought up. And it's not that it's the 40% that's upsetting. It's that Martin Jones is the backup and there's not enough there um, to make me feel remotely confident in Martin Jones right now as the backup on this team. Because that is, you know, the, the team effectively admitted that it is a reclamation project, that this is all on Kim Delabaugh to try to get him back to previous form. And to me, for as well as I think Chuck Fletcher did at addressing what was a failure a season ago and in putting so much pressure on so many young players to take a step forward, he, he alleviated that pressure on the defensive side, right, by bringing in Ryan Ellis, by bringing in Rasmus Ristolainen, by bringing in Keith Yandel. He did that, I think, with the forward core as well. I think Cam Atkinson is going to be a really big pickup for this team. But 
what what has been opted to go with in goal is, is something that I think is a legitimate concern. And I wouldn't be surprised if by midseason, if by the trade deadline, this team is looking for a better backup goaltending option. Doesn't mean that I don't think Martin Jones is capable of turning around. It means that I think that the odds are against it. And what you start to run into is a problem where if Carter Hart were to falter, I don't think you have a rock solid backup goalie. I could be wrong, but based on his play in the last two seasons, there's not enough there that makes me think that this guy is going to be the rock solid kind of backup you would need, um, especially if you have to do something similar as you've had to do in the past with Carter Hart, where you pretty much say, we're going to shut you down for a week or we're going to shut you down for a few games, have you look at film, work on some technique, and then get back at it again. Um, I, I want to pivot here a second because it's still about Carter Hart, but he met with the media and um, there was one thing that bothered me and it happens with hockey players. It happens with, with players in a lot of sports, but hockey players, especially he said that his goalie coach and the team's goalie coach and he, they all the three of them together, have been in communication. They were in communication last year. They're in communication through the offseason about what to work on. And when he was asked multiple times about, all right, well, what is it that you worked on over the offseason? He he said, that's between me and the coaches. And I know that like there's a thought with some things when you're working on technique or you're working at like installing a game plan. You're obviously not going to, to give too much information to the media because obviously that will get back to the other team. But the idea to me that like, it's pretty clear the team was working on him lifting his glove hand last year. So the, the notion that like, he couldn't just say that after he's asked about it multiple times, is kind of like, come on, like give, give just a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it, if, if we can all see on the film, the same kinds of issues, like he said, he was going to cut down the angles that uh, shooters had to, to, you know, put shots on goal a season ago. That didn't happen. He was sinking back too far in his net. He could have said that. Like, why be so secretive? Like, and by the way, if you've done a good job of implementing those changes, it shouldn't matter if it gets out because in theory, you've done a good job of identifying the issues that you had and, and fixing them, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, uh, the, the the way the way I see it, Russ. Uh, no, no matter no matter how you how you break this down, okay. There's always going to be there's, there's always going to be a reason to be concerned, right? And there's always going to be a reason to be optimistic. And no matter how you look at it, it's going to be well, who's who's at fault, who's responsible, or who's playing well, who's not playing well. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And so we could sit here and kind of go in circles with this. And and the fact of the matter is, is that you, you got to kind of at some point, you know, look at it from a thousand feet away, right, or ten thousand feet away, rather. You know that 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 overview. That's, um, you know, that that you don't really look at the at the nitty gritty details. You just kind of look at it from big picture, and look at it from that perspective, and sit there and say. Um, what, what, where do you, where do we see this going? Where do you see this player? Where do you see this team? Where do you see this coaching staff, et cetera? And, and I think that that's kind of where, how we have to view it right now with this team o overall, whether we're talking about, whether we're talking about Carter Hart or, or, or not. And, and I look at, you know, him answering the question and you getting annoyed by it. 
and saying that, oh, well, you know, I don't want to, sh- you know, I, I, that's just between me and the coaches. And you want them to give you a little bit of detail. And I understand it, that why you want a little more detail. I would like a little more detail too. But the fact of the matter is, is that if he tells you anything that he's kind of working on, that gives information out to the opposition, that that's, that's something that they viewed as a weakness and that that's something that they're going to test him on. So therefore you got to kind of keep it, you know, keep an arm's length or even further. Um, and, and rather than sit there and, and nitpick over little things like that and get worried about things, that's why I say you got to look at it from, from far away. I, I think you, you sit there and say, okay, he doesn't want to tell us. We know, like we've had this conversation, like we know what he's looking, look, you know, looking to fix. You know, we can, we can speculate and do so um, intelligently without really, you know, throw, like we're throwing darts at a wall and hope you know, one of them hits the bullseye. Like we, we are, we know what he's working on and doesn't, we don't need him to tell us that. Would you like to have it? Yeah, fine. We know we can discuss it and we're going to look for those things um, yeah, in the office. And the other teams are not stupid. They know what, you know, they're going to go right for it and see, did he fix this? Did he fix the short side weakness? Did he fix being slower from post to post? Does his glove hand, is he catching pucks better than he was last year? Is he playing the puck better behind the net, which he has never been able to do well, right? I think that's a, um, that's a, that's a real problem that he has uh, long-term, um, you know, so like the, we're going to look for these things. Carter telling us that he's working on them specifically. I, I don't know if that really does anything for, for us, for him, even like we know that that's what he's working on. And if he tells people that's what he's working on, I think it only makes it so that it's harder for him to, to succeed. So we have to sit there and say, you know what, just let it go. Let it, let, let him say what he says. Let's look at it from a distance and say, okay, is he going to be better? Is he going to be worse? These are the things that we think that's going to have, that's going to cause that we'll watch it from, from afar and then we'll analyze it when it, when it happens. And I think that that's kind of how we have to, uh, how we have to approach it. He's an adult. He's a professional player. 31 other teams know what his deficiencies are. You just said it. Him saying it publicly isn't going to stop them from scouting and from looking at film. So but may, but it, maybe like, there's maybe there's other things that he was working on too that we don't know about, or that other teams aren't you know that they want to try differently. Well, I can't wait to find out what those two things are at the end of this upcoming season. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I if, think I mean if it's if 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 you can just point out off the top of your head four or five different things that we've talked about in the press box that he needs to work on, it stands to reason that those are probably things that he should make a priority. If there are other things that he's working on, that's swell. And if that's the answer, then I guess that's fine. But then I would also be concerned that, I don't know, did you work on the other four or five things? Why, I, 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 like, I don't know. What, like, if, if we're, if we're, well, I mean, it's just, I don't understand. I don't understand why you, you feel the need to automatically be pessimistic about these things. Like I look at it and say, Hey, you start fresh every year, right? Every year is a new year. And no matter what, how you played the year before, whether you were great or whether you were terrible, you have to perform the ne- in the next season. Um, and of course, you know, if someone was great the year before, you're feeling better about them than if somebody was not good the year before. But at the same time, I, I don't I don't feel the need ever feel the need to go into a season in any sport and sit there and say, hey, they they could fix this. They had time to work on this. Let's see. Let's see how it works. Yeah. I, I mean, you could sit there and make an a, again a generalization for the team overall and say, 
yeah, I don't think that they made the right moves or they made great moves. I think they're going to be better, whatever. I mean, you know, we're, I'm sitting here and I'm telling you that I think that the Flyers are a better team. And yet I, I still think that they can finish anywhere from first to fifth in the division. Right. Um, so, like, I, I think that 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 can still happen, even though they're a better team, you know. Um, so at, at the same time, I don't feel the need to go into it feeling pessimistic. Let's watch. Let's see. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And then if after, you know, 10 games, all of a sudden it's like the same stuff is, is you know, rearing its ugly head again, then we sit there and say, you were right to be concerned. But I, I don't ever go into the season feeling that way. Like I look at a, I look at a player and say, especially in hockey where, where they work so hard on such intricate parts of their craft that I, I give them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to trying to rectify what might not have worked for them the year before and, and or in previous years um, and always develop their game and, and see what happens. I, I'm not I'm not ready to, to sit here and be, you know, I'm push the panic button on Carter Hart. I'm just not. Well, I'm, I'm not pushing a panic button. Okay, you're I'm not just, pushing up. You're I'm, not pushing the panic button, but you're sitting there saying, "Well, I'm not as confident as you are in the fact that he's going to come back and be a good goalie." Well, I mean, to me, I, that's, that he's not going to be a top eight goalie. Okay, well, that's pushing the panic button, Russ, because no. if he's not that, the Flyers aren't any good. If he's not that, the Flyers are. If he's an average goalie, if he's mm-hmm. middle of the pack or or lower, the Flyers aren't going to be a good team. So to me, that's like, well, I don't think he's as good as you do. All right, well then, guess what? Then you don't think that the team's going to be good. Because if, you, if the goalie isn't good, then the team isn't good. So that's why it is pushing the panic button. It's not, it's not yelling, you know, you know, it's not chicken little, you know, yelling the sky is falling. But at the same time, it's basically saying, well, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm a doubting Thomas. And until, that, until I see otherwise, yeah, this is just the same mediocre team that we've always had. Okay, fine. But, that's, but to me, that's kind of panicky. I think that's panicky. That's certainly putting a lot of words in my mouth, but okay. Well, how else would you interpret it? If you don't think that the goal, if you don't think Carter Hart has the ability to be, <coughs> excuse me, to be a top eight goaltender, top eight, I'm not even saying top three, top eight in the league, then how is this team any good? If he's not one of those, one of those goalies, there's no way the Flyers are, are, are even real. They're at best a fringe playoff team at best, and probably not even that. Because if he can't if he can't perform, then you got you don't have you don't have what you need to win. You need a goalie. You need a goalie to be very to be top eight, and he has to be that. That's all. And, and I think he can be. You don't. So that so therefore I look at it and say I'm not so, I said I'm not sold on it. Doesn't mean that I don't think he's capable of eventually doing it. I'm just saying that right now there there's enough questions or concerns that I have, and I want to see how he does with a better team in front of him this year. Okay, that's not being panicky. That's saying I just want to see how how he looks with a, a new group in front of him. Okay. The, you know, I think the thing that I was kind of getting at is as somebody who writes about the team, you and I should be able to have a, a an honest discourse with a player in the locker room about what did you work on this summer? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, if some, you if can some, you listen, can have, like if, if, if you Travis can have Sanheim, that. On, you can, no, 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 no. You can if, have if that. Travis Sanheim, no, I'm going to stop if, you for a second because you can what? have because you can have that honest discourse without him saying it publicly. You can have that honest discourse. You can you can create the relationship where you can talk to the player and say, hey, listen, I'm not writing about this. But like, what were some of the things that you were working on? So just so I know so that when when I'm writing a story about you and I know that this is something that was 
a concern or this is something that was not a concern. Were we right to say that it was all your your glove hand side, short side, going post to post? Was it something with that lean where you kept were trying to make saves with your shoulders as you were leaning forward? You can have those conversations without it being a public thing. It doesn't always have to be out there for all to all to hear and see and, and still be able to talk about it. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Like you can have those things. I know you want you to say he's a big boy. He's an adult. He's a professional. He's making $3.9 million. You're right about that stuff. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to, you know, make our job so easy that, you know, it's just like eating a piece of cake. Like we, we sometimes we have to work for, for the information that we get and that's okay. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with them saying nothing publicly and then talking to me or talking to you or talking to us Perfect example, Chuck Fletcher, his press conference three weeks ago or four weeks ago, just before the before he started doing all the trades, said nothing in the press conference, but then came on our show and outlined exactly what he was going to do in, in the offseason. If you go back and listen to that episode, he outlined everything that eventually happened on our show, said nothing in the press conference. If he felt more comfortable to tell us that and not tell the general public that in a press conference, then so be it. That's okay. And that means we've worked for that. We've worked to earn that trust. We've worked to earn that relationship and to earn that information. That's okay. So I don't, I don't ever have a problem with somebody not saying something publicly. I have a problem if, if you have a situation like we had with Nolan Patrick, where he didn't want to talk about it publicly, didn't want to talk about it privately. He it's just like, it's over with the, I'm not talking, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about it. Okay. At that point, now we can. Now we're so we're going to we're going to take you at your word. But now we're going to judge you based off of your play, and we can't use that as an excuse any longer because you said it's okay. You don't want to talk about it. Everything's fine. Okay, fine. So that's how we're going to do that. But if somebody doesn't want to say something publicly, but then privately they'll talk about it, I'm perfectly okay with that. That's that's the nature of what we do for a living. And that's why we have a, a successful podcast because we're able to glean that information and share some of what we know and have, have this back and forth between you and me if we don't agree on something. And it's, it's informed and that's okay. And that's, that's okay too. And I think that's what makes good, makes for the good banter. So, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't ever begrudge somebody not saying something in a public situation as long as, as they are willing to talk to you privately. I was told two weeks ago that I I step all over your toes and that I'm condescending to you. So I'm just letting you have your moment. Well, that's why I, I interrupted you because I, ha I had to pull a Russ in order to do that. That was okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so back to reality here for a second. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but over the last year plus, we haven't been able to go to the locker room and have the normal asides that we typically would have. I understand. So that. when your only availability are these press conferences, it's fair yeah. to ask the question. And if Travis Sanheim is made available to the media and somebody asks, hey, what did you work on? I would assume that Travis Sanheim might have a couple of things that he would admit that he might have worked on. And, and it doesn't have to be some kind of finite detail. We're not talking about specific drills. We're not talking about like, I changed, oh, I changed my equipment or, you know, I worked with so-and-so on I don't know, zone entries and also breaking out of our zone because that was an issue that we had last year. Like that's an easy thing. That's a macro concept that you can talk about. Sure, there's nothing but wrong that's, with that. there's a difference between goalies and, and skate and skaters. It, sure. It's, 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 it's basically like, you know, talking about talking to a, 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 a pitcher about changing the way he throws a pitch or talking to a, a, a batter about, you know, the, the way he's changed his swing. Um, Correct me if it, I'm wrong, though. Don't don't pitchers on occasion, like especially some of the better ones, don't they usually talk about 
Like over the off season, I worked on my cutter grip. I changed this up. I changed that up. Like sometimes. I, yeah. Like sometimes. I, I don't think there's anything crazy. I, I seem to remember like Kyle Kendrick talking about that almost but, every off season. And, and that's okay. Look, if they, with if like, they I, want to share that, that's fine. But if they don't want to share it, I understand why. And I don't begrudge them not telling us. That's all. I'm not throwing a fit. I'm just saying that, like, I think that that's like, what you started this whole conversation with. You wanted Carter Hart to tell you in his new whip upset me it was in the news conference. You know, he didn't tell us what he was working on in the summer. That's what you said. I think it's I just said I think it's kind of silly. OK, so you think it's silly. You blew this up into this big, long diatribe about God knows what. I, I just said I think it's kind of silly. I think the, no, it's the a being... difference. It's a difference between you and I. And, and maybe it's because, Russ, you know, and you're right. You know, in the last two you know, year and a half, and it's probably going to ex- extend into this season, if not for the, for most of the season, for maybe even the whole season, um, that we're not going to have locker room access and we're going to continue to do these interviews via zoom. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, the, the stone cold reality of it, unfortunately. Um, but maybe because I feel like I have certain relationships that I can get information without having it told to me in a news conference that, that I don't, it doesn't bother me as much. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Sure. It's po- totally possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe that's, maybe that's the case, you know, well, well but you know, and, and I can see why you think it's different and, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm just telling you why I, why from experience, why it doesn't matter as much. That's all. Okay. I don't think I'm asking too much. <laughs> We have, uh, I, I know we're running short on time. Do we have some questions that people want? Yeah, to we ask? have lots of questions, comments, and concerns. We have a bunch of people who are asking, what really happened with Nolan Patrick? Was it really migraines? That's a really great question. And um, I don't know. That actually wasn't one of the questions, but my God, boy, boy, to have a chat about Nolan Patrick, that would be a really great episode. It'll never happen, but it would be a really great episode. I hope that he has a great time out there. In, uh, where is he at now? Vegas. He's in Vegas. Do they have taxis out there? <laughs> Do they have Ubers and Lyft? Yeah. Just wondering. Um, all right. Let's go to some of the questions, comments, and concerns that came up over on Twitter. By the way, we got a bunch of emails. And this is, I guess, a, a good time to plug. We have snowthegoalie at gmail.com. If you have a question that just doesn't fit on Twitter or doesn't fit, I guess, in a Facebook message or doesn't fit in an Instagram DM, you're certainly more than welcome to send us emails. And we certainly got a few. So let's go to the emails first. Chris Naffy, a longtime listener of the show, says, hey, guys, there's been some concern that Ivan Provorov might not be the number one defenseman. We all hoped he would be. And he received a lot of criticism last year and most was justified. However, I want to take a different approach with Provorov as I'm not quite ready to say he's not or ever will be a number one defenseman. He's played five seasons in the NHL, and these have been his predominant partners, Andrew McDonald, at best, a third pair defenseman in the NHL. Shane Gossespierre, great season together. Unfortunately, goes lost his confidence afterwards. Matt Niskanen, a great season together. Uh, Justin Braun, at best, a third pair defenseman in the NHL. Provorov has played at least half his career with third pair or borderline NHL defensemen. On the other hand, uh, Hall of Famer and greatest Flyers defenseman Mark Howe played substantially with um, Brad McCrimmon. Uh, McCrimmon is head and shoulders better than Provorov's tag team partners. Therefore, I'm not absolving Provorov from criticism. However, is it fair to say Provorov has been somewhat a victim of poor partners and has had to do um, has had to do more defensively than he should? 
And as a follow-up with the Flyers' defensive improvements this offseason, are you expecting Provorov to have possibly the biggest bounce-back season of all of the skaters? Keep up the great work. Like Edge and Christian, you guys reek of awesomeness. Well, thanks, I love the Chris. wrestling reference at the end. Yeah, that's great. Christian, of um, course, the TNA champion after uh, his <laughs> win on last Friday night's AEW um, Rampage. I, I, Chris, to answer your question, it's not wrong to think that. Uh, certainly, Provrov could be that. He could be a bounce-back candidate, um, especially with the, the changes that were made. Uh, that said, he may not ever really be a 1A. He may end up being a 1B, which is totally fine. It's totally fine if he's a 1B, if he's the second guy on your top pair. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world if that's the case. Could he still be a 1A? Sure. Does he have the ability to get there? Yes. I mean, there's a lot to like about Provorov's game, but there are, there are some things that have kind of plateaued in his game. Um, I think the, the puck explodes on his stick too often. Um, especially when he's on the point in, on, in the offensive end. He doesn't catch that pass very well. Um, he Do does get... Be, by the way, will he be on PP1 this year? I don't think he's going to be on either one. In all honesty... So you think Yandel will be on... Yandel... On, is he on PP1 or is he on PP2? I, I think he'll see... Does he play third pair of minutes and then he's PP1? Like, Yeah, I think he'll see time on both. I mean, he's such a good PP quarterback. I think that he might be on the top pair to start the year. Assuming everybody's assuming he's healthy, and I wouldn't be surprised if if Ellis and and even Ristolainen he's played power play. Um, I think Sanheim is going to be better at, uh, uh, over there. I think Provorov is in the mix for that second pair. You know, could be there with whoever. Um, but I think if they try to manage his minutes a little bit better, um, instead of him having to play twenty six minutes a night, maybe he doesn't play power play and just plays five on five against top lines and plays PK, I think that, you know, you might get a better Ivan Provorov. I agree. You know what I'm saying? You might just get a better player there. So, I, you know, I do, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he could become what we all thought he was going to be, myself included. Um, I honestly thought he was going to be, and if, if we go back to when I first started with Crossing Broad four years ago, I remember uh, we were talk, discussing um, – you know, who are, who are the most important players in all four Philadelphia sports right now. And I argued that Provorov needed to be on that list because he was, in my mind at that time, a potential future Norris Trophy candidate. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's showing that right now. I don't think he's going to get to that point where he's one of the top three defensemen in the game. Um, he, But I do think that he can certainly be Again, like we were talking about with Hart earlier, I think he can be in that top third of the league amongst defensemen. I, I, I see it. You know, if you're if you're doing, can he be a top sixteen defenseman in the in the NHL? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Why not? Yeah, he can, and that puts him in top half as a, as a one A. Or you sit there and say, well, if you have another guy who fits that same mold. Maybe he's the one B and I can see, I certainly see that. And that's not a, that's not a horrible spot for him to be. So I, I guess the, the only thing, you know, you, you brought up before if Carter Hart's not a top eight goaltender, this team is in a lot of trouble. And then you said that um, it's okay. If Provorov doesn't develop into that one a, and I, I guess the only thing that I would counter that with, is that they put so much stock in him being that 1A guy and developing into that 1A guy 
in some of the decisions they've made drafting and in some of the decisions that they've made about past acquisitions that it, it would, it's a lot of hindsight, but you wonder if they maybe do things differently. If they knew that his, his ceiling might be a one, a one B and not a one A. Well, of course. I mean, you always hindsight always being 2020, you always would take a different approach if you know what the ultimate outcome is for the player that you drafted, you know, what he's going to be seven to 10 years down the road. Um, If you know that in advance, and obviously you're going to make a, you know, you're going to draft accordingly or or make free agent signings accordingly or trades accordingly. Um, But again, I don't think that this is a, this is a a big miss by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think Provorov's a hit. I think Sanheim's a hit as far as draft picks go. I know a lot of people are, criticizing Sanheim and I we should probably talk about him a little bit I don't know if there's any questions about Sanheim because he's still um he's got an arbitration date coming up um so I'll let you say who asked the questions about him but um I I don't think that those are missed picks you know um Patrick was a missed pitch missed missed pick I think Herman Rupsov was a missed pick um I, I you look at Konechny I think he's probably still um to be determined um, where he fits, but I don't think he's a big miss. If he's if he ends up being a miss, it's only a slight miss in the, in the fact that he's not, you know, a consistent thirty goal scorer, and he's probably a little bit further down your lineup kind of guy. Um, so I mean, I, I don't I don't look at these guys and say that they're big misses by any stretch of the imagination. I, if you get solid top end players, top or, or top of the lineup players out of your draft, even if they're not superstars that you got to look at that as a victory. I want to go to another email here that actually ties into something with why we're ending the show about when we are uh, Joe Plaza sends us uh, something. I believe Joe was a longtime checker inner on the press row show. So hey, yeah. Joe says, Hey, Anthony and Russ, big fan of the show. My question is a two part question. One from what you know, is there anything to report in regards to negotiations for new deals involving Giroux and Couturier? And two, if they don't have new deals by the end of training camp or Thanksgiving or January 1st or the trade deadline, assuming they aren't in contention for the playoffs, of course, would the team consider moving on for one, from one or both of them? I do want to make clear that I don't want them gone, but I think we need to start thinking about the possibility. Couturier will be 2930 at the start of his next deal, and Giroux isn't getting any younger either. Although I want both to be career flyers, I can only assume there's a point in which the flyers will allow them to leave. Thanks for the insight. Look forward to the newest episode. Go Flyers. P.S. Anthony, I need more crossed up in my life. Yes, Russ, we all know you loathe baseball. Well, thanks, Joe. And that's uh, you got you to reach out to Bob Wankel. Uh, big shot Bob, our baseball guy. Um, At Bob Wankel, CB. He's the, he's the one. I, I, I watch. I don't miss a Phillies game. Um, and uh, neither does Bob. But I, I'm ready to talk baseball. Anytime, any day, 24 seven. It's, it's, it's my favorite thing. Believe it or not, hockey fans, baseball is my favorite sport always has been, always will be. Um, In fact, Anthony is so dedicated to not missing a game that he wants us to skip a lot of people's questions that people so earnestly wrote for this podcast so he can go watch the Phillies. No, you know what? You're part of the problem. So you know what I'll say to you there, Russ, is that we don't have to skip them. We can just hold them off until oh, the next until next week. Till next week. That's all. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Nothing's going to change. The poor people wait a week. They've been no, waiting. No, and you're just going to make them wait again. It's very likely Fine. nothing will change between now and the time we record next week to answer the same questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, his question was about. Um, 
about Giroud and Couturier. Giroux and Couturier. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's so, any progress and if there's any point where the team maybe considers, I, I don't think that, from them. I don't think that there's progress because you got to consider where they are with the cap, um, and I don't think you're going to see much in the way of progress unless somebody gets unless somebody gets injured and has to go on long term injury and they can free up some cap space to um, to sign that extension. Not that it would hit this year, but at the same time, you're making a commitment to them moving forward. Um, so therefore, I think that's that's an opportunity for them to, to, to sign him, to sign one of them um, and, and feel comfortable about that, because then they, then you sit there and say, OK, well, if we need to make a change somewhere else in the in the lineup, we can um, and commit to those guys for the future as well. I don't see Couturier going. I don't see either one of them going anywhere, to be honest with you. But um, I really don't see them letting Couturier go. I really don't see them moving away from him unless. Russ, the only thing that I can think of is if Couturier comes into this season, even if he's healthy and just doesn't look like himself, like he did last year. Now, we know last year that the injury he suffered early in the year um, just kind of dragged on and really kind of bothered him all year long. And even though he played through it uh, for much of the season, it, it kind of limited him a little bit. But if Couturier comes into camp and comes into the season and he's healthy um, and still looks like the guy from – 2021 then maybe you sit there and say uh maybe there is some value in, in moving on from sean um I, I don't see it i still think that you're probably about 95 percent resigns five percent does not um as for Giroux, uh, only Giroux can determine if he gets moved in the season um if the season ends up being a total cluster and av gets fired and the team is dreadful Maybe Giroux sits there and says to Chuck Fletcher as they approaches the trade deadline, hey, I'm willing to waive my no-move clause to go play for a team and try and win a Stanley Cup. Um, I think that that's a possibility, um, but only if the team is not in contention. If the Flyers are anywhere close to contention or in contention, Giroux's not going to want to go anywhere else. He's going to want to stay here. As a matter of fact, I, I, I firmly believe that Giroux will seek to re-sign here in the off season, even if it means coming in at a little bit of a discount rather than going somewhere else. The only place I could ever see Giroux going and, and say that it might be a better option than Philly is if Ottawa got into a position where they could be a Stanley cup because he lives there in the yeah. off season, right? So he's got two young children. <laughs> Go ahead with what you were saying though. If they ever get in possession. Well, I mean, what? I'll tell you what, I mean, it's going to laugh, but that's, if the, if the NHL I'm had a full, going to laugh. if the NHL had a full season last year, instead of mm-hmm. it's cutting it short, the way that the game, that the, that, that Canadian division was trending, the senators would have made the playoffs and not the Canadians. Okay. Yeah. All right. So just, so let's put that out there. And the Canadians went to the Stanley cup final. But the Senators were playing really good hockey uh, over the last 25 games of the season. They got a lot of young talent up there. They've, they've done a good job in accumulating a lot of draft picks, especially at the high end, um, and they're getting better. And so I could see the Senators within two, three years being a real thorn in the side of, East, of the Eastern Conference. Um, if for some reason they arrived a little early and have a great year this year and, and show that they're maybe one or two players away, um, and the Flyers still haven't re-signed Giroux, you know, go home and, and win, a, win a cup with your hometown team. Um, I could see that. But I, even, even then, even throwing that possibility out there, I still say it's about 90-10 Giroux sticks in Philadelphia. 
We have two more emails. We'll get through these questions quick, and then we have one other very short thing. Uh, Chris McCarthy emails in, um, why is Wade Allison going to camp August 28th? He's going to the last year of his ELC that Flair has publicly addressed uh, as they had to convince him to stay and not become a free agent. His 14 game appearance with the Flyers showed that he is top nine or that he that he's a top nine forward in this league and one that this team desperately needs by how he plays the game. This is his first healthy offseason. And if he's sent back to the AHL, I think it's his last in a Flyers sweater. What do you know about the development? And with Fletcher moves this past month, are the Flyers and AV going to make this team too old by not trusting its youth because of the flop that happened last season? I do not put anything, Chris, I do not put anything into that. Um, Wade Allison going to development camp for five days does not mean that he's not on the NHL roster. I think it's a situation where a lot of times, and they've done this in the past, where they have a young player who's got NHL experience and they still make them go to development camp almost as a um, somebody for the other young players to model themselves after. They're going to watch Wade Allison and the way he gets himself ready for practice, the way he practices. And they're going to point it out and say, you want to make it to the NHL, you got to work like Wade Allison. you got to play like Wade Allison um, and get an opportunity to go and play in the NHL. And that's not to say that he's going to – he's just being handed an NHL job. He still has to earn it in, in camp. But I think it's, it's a pretty much – if we're sitting here today and setting odds, I think Wade Allison's got great odds of making the team – um, it's not one of those situations where it's a 50 50 or he's got to have a good camp or something. He could still probably have a slightly below average camp and still make this team. That's where he's at. So having him go to, to, um, uh, prospect camp for five days is not an indication that they're worried about him. Um, it's just, it's just more of an opportunity for him to, you know, get in, in there with the team, with their coaches and, and get some early practice, um, which the, which the pro players aren't necessarily allowed to do. Um, with the coaching staff. So it gives him five more days with the coaches, which is great. Um, but it also allows him to to be a little bit of a, of a leader uh, for the younger players uh, to kind of mold themselves after uh, as they begin their professional careers, whether it's in the AHL uh, or even if they're uh, still playing junior hockey or playing overseas. So um, I think that that's a, uh, there's nothing to look into there. I think it's a, it's totally fine for him to be in that in that camp. Last email we got this week is from Devin Snader, who says, hey, Anthony and Russ, I guess this one is for both of you with the Flyers and Reading renewing their affiliation agreement. Do you guys think that the ECHL is becoming a more legitimate place young players develop and eventually work their way to the NHL level uh, than it has been in the past? Thanks. Um, I, uh, good question, Devin. I, I'd like to see it get and it's starting to get a little bit more traction, um, Russ, because the more players you have especially goalies. I think you're going to see goalies probably develop a little bit better in the AHL, I mean, the ECHL, and then make their way into the NHL than you probably will skaters because teams now like to have goaltending depth and have it here in, in the U.S. or in Canada um, rather than have it be overseas, uh, somewhere that they can manage, somewhere that they can keep eyeballs on their guys on a more regular basis um, and, and really kind of be in constant communication with them. So I think that you're going to see goalies kind of develop a little more, but you got to remember, even at the AHL level, you really only have, if you have 22 guys on that roster, let's say 23 guys on that roster, you really only have eight to 10 guys who you really consider prospects or even marginal prospects, like, like quad A kind of players who can, you know, flip back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. Um, the rest are, you know, long shot guys or 
um, guys who've been in the, in the AHL for a long time who are just kind of hangers on or, or veteran players who, you know, you pay them a little bit more money to kind of come in and show the kids how to play the right way, how to be a good pro. Um, that's really what the AHL is now. Um, I could see maybe if the CHL, um, and that's junior hockey, if they completely start to allow younger players once they're drafted to go play professionally for their franchises rather than require them to go back to junior hockey for another year or two. And if that were to be the case and you can start stocking AHL rosters a little bit more, then maybe the ECHL becomes that next level for, you know, those, you know, late bloomers, late bloomer types, but I don't ever think it'll be much more than, than what it is currently, maybe a little bit more. Um, But I would say that if you're going to, if you're going to see guys come out of the ECHL, uh, and become NHL players, it's more likely to be a goaltender than it is to be a, a forward or a defenseman. All right. I think that's probably a good spot to stop uh, with questions. I will screenshot all of the ones from Twitter and those that came out on Facebook and Instagram as well. If you sent one, I'm sorry that we didn't get to it today. Anthony, Phillies, you got it. We do have two new five-star reviews uh, over from Apple Podcasts. Let's get to those really quickly. XBO or XBOX, I guess is what this is. The Only Flyers podcast, five stars. A must-listen every week, especially when I mention the intro music and announcements, followed by Russ Joy's high-energy delivery to start. Just great stuff that gets me excited to listen. Cannot recommend enough. Man of Action episode was a masterpiece. Getting fans caught up on free agency and the draft. Had been waiting to hear their thoughts, and they did not disappoint. Thank you, Ant and Russ. Well, thanks, nice XBOX. Although I think you really like that one because he was uh, pumping you up a little bit. But that's all right. It's good. It was a good one. Oh, yes! It. Oh, yes. And then five stars offseason updates from shots fired. Three exclamation points. Great work, gentlemen. I appreciate the often offseason projections and analysis. Now, if only we could get the same often analysis for an in-season first place club. Thanks, shots fired. There we go. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Hey, well, just, so you, just so you know, I have outro music again for this week. Oh, I had a thing that I was going to do. Today. Oh, okay. Well, if you have one, that's fine. Because we have one more week before. It's it's not really you... music. It's oh. not really music, but it's it's something. It's something else. And oh, wait, what what's happening here? You go get anybody you want. Because we. What do you mean we? We are taking over. You want to go to war? You want a war? You got one. Interesting. Interesting. I thought I think mine's got a little a little bit more. <laughs> All right. Hey, yo. I mean, if you want to play your outro, you can. I got outro. Well, I'll play it at the end. I'll play it at the it's end. Do your little, little thing. Just a little Do thing. Little. Anyway, listen. Thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Snow the Goalie. Make sure you come back every single week. We will be here from now until the end of time bringing to you the best Flyers content on the interwebs. Uh, Of course, you can check out crossingbroad.com for any time we write about something with hockey. One thing that we forgot to get to this week that I'm sure we'll have thoughts on for next week is the NHL opting to put uh, jersey ads on sweaters, not this season, but the 2022-23 season. We'll get into that next week. We still want to see what some of the details are that come out about that. So we'll talk about that next week, and you can absolutely send your stuff over. But um, it's not a popular decision with either of us, so we'll talk about that next week. Um, and then, of course, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts or follow, however you do it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Don't forget, you can ask each and every smart device in your home to play the most recent episode of Snow the Goalie Flyers podcast without having to get off your keister. It's right there for you. I think that's about it. Make okay. sure you follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at Ant San Philly, at Snow the Goalie, at Joy on Broad, and then uh, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. All of those links that were mentioned are in the description of this episode. Real simple thing to click on and follow. So, yeah. And before, before I play the out going out music, I, I should say this um, Travis Sanheim, uh, we'll, we'll talk about him next week too. Uh, I'm pretty confident. I'm almost 100% confident he will sign before he goes to arbitration. I don't think okay. he gets to arbitration. So if anybody's worried about that, I think that that will, I think it's just part of the games that um, agents play with general managers. And uh, it's a, pretty much a game of chicken and see who blinks first. And I think ultimately he will sign and uh, will not go to arbitration. So without further ado, here's some out- outro music. Which I think. Here it is.